didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney. And this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, taking a look at every single episode of Stranger Things. We have made it to season four, chapter nine, the piggyback. And Colin is here with your summary. The ninth chapter of Stranger Things 4, titled The Piggyback, debuted on Netflix on July 1st, 2022. It was written and directed by the Duffer Brothers and has a runtime of 2 hours, 22 minutes, and 12 seconds. But right now, we're only talking about the first hour and 20 minutes or so. It's the evening of Thursday, March 27th, 1986, and we begin in Russia, where Yuri is sabotaging the helicopter. Inside the church, Hopper and Joyce are talking about breadsticks and, wink, wink, dessert. Just as they start getting all jopper, the phone rings. Back in Hawkins, Nancy walks the gang through the four phases of death to Vecna before they all split up. Meanwhile, in Nevada, Elle tells the Cali boy she can piggyback into Max's mind to protect her. Argyle notices Elle would fit comfortably into a pizza dough freezer, so they head to the local surfer boy. At the Creel house, Max, Erica, and Lucas use their bug zappers to find Vecna, and Erica heads out to the playground to signal Robin, Steve, and Nancy in the Upside Down. Phase one, check. Dog walking guy, though, sees what's going on and snitches to Jason. The phone call to Russia is actually from Agent Stinson, who tells our heroes that Owens is indisposed. Joyce thinks that if they can get back into the prison and do some damage on the Demogorgons, it might buy the kids enough time back home. They grab weapons and head out. Enzo stays back to get Yuri in line, convincing him to fix the chopper. Back at the Surfer Boy, the boys get the freezer full of water and salt. Jonathan and Will share a moment. Mike and Elle share a moment. And Argyle and Jalapeno Pineapple share a moment. In the Upside Down, Eddie and Dustin wall up the trailer with scrap metal, and Eddie finds his beloved guitar. While heading to the Upside Down Creel House, Steve tells Nancy that she made him a better man and that his RV dream includes her. Robin interrupts and tells them Phase 1 is underway. Inside the house, Max and Lucas plan a movie date and then launch Phase 2, baiting Vecna to come get her. Just then, Elle teleports herself into Max's mind. As Max is talking to Vecna, he appears through Lucas and takes her. Phase 2, check. Elle finds Max as a young kid at a skate park and then notices the DJ table from the snowball where Max has gone with Vecna. The memory starts eroding, though, and bloody balloons start popping. Back at Eddie's trailer, our dude launches into Master of Puppets to distract the demo bats. Just as the bats get there, Dustin and Eddie retreat, while up in the attic, Jason arrives, messing up everything. Back in the prison, Murray, Joyce, and Hopper find a bloody mess. Hopper goes off and finds a demo dog in the laundry room and lures him back into the courtyard. Joyce notices the cattle prods on the wall. Dustin and Eddie are holding off the demo bats, phase three, check, but the varmints are getting into the trailer. Dustin climbs back into the right side up, but Eddie decides to stay and buy the gang a little more time. Dustin freaks out and jumps back through, breaking his ankle in the process. Eddie bikes off. Meanwhile, Robin, Steve, and Nancy arrive at the Creel House and are captured by gnarly tentacles while Vecna chases Max through the eroded snowball. Lucas has his hands full with Jason, but eventually gets the gun away from him and lands a few good punches. Outside, Erica kicks Andy in the nuts. Just as Vecna's about to snap Max, Elle arrives and tosses him like yesterday's newspaper. He bounces back, though, and levitates Elle, telling her he wants her to watch all her friends die before tossing her into the red world. The end of the first half of Chapter 9. Stressful. 
stressful. It is. And it's just like you were saying last week, it's like just knowing what's coming. I know (laughs) it's, uh, it's, it's hard to watch. Like this is the first time I've revisited it since it premiered. And I just, I don't want to do it again. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Just hang on. Next week, we only got an hour. So just flat through it. But it's still the the worst thing, like, coming. Yeah. There are two worst things. Yeah. Three worst things. Sure. So I don't have a lot of homework for you this week. It was weird trying to think at it anyway. So. (laughs) So you'll get these. I only have two questions. Okay. Because the other two I realized were in the second half and wouldn't be covering them this week. So you're only getting two questions. Uh, Okay. Are you ready for your homework? I'm ready. You're late again. I had to get catch up homework. Number one, who is on the shirt Joyce is wearing after escaping the Russian prison? I'll see that one's easy. I got that one. I know. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. Yes. Correct. Okay. Number two. What famous line does Murray repeat when they decide to break back into the prison? I've got a bad feeling about this. Ding, 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 ding. You did it. You got a hundred percent. Look at that. Look at Those you are go. very easy though. I know. I'm sorry. There. No, that's like, fine. I, I don't mind that or how many dim bats bit Eddie. I, like, I was, I was going to, I was going to joke. I'm like, in case you're going to ask me, there are 348 demo bats. I freeze, freeze frame didn't count it. No, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. So, okay. So let's start in Russia because not really a whole lot happened there and we can kind of blow through that. I did notice that they have the six rotors back on the helicopter. No, no idea how they got six rotors back up on the helicopter, but that, that happened. Were there not six rotors before? No, when, when they first got there in the hangar, there were no rotors on it. The rotors were kind of piled against the wall. So somehow, oh. they, somehow they got them back on. And we talked about Yuri sabotaging the thing and taking the spark plug out. Oh, yeah. We get a look at Hopper's back, which was, and, and his trimmed down physique. Yeah, he lost something like 60 pounds, 80 pounds. Yeah, I think it was 60. Yeah. It was, yeah. Which is wild. Yeah. He said he'll never do it again, though. No, I, I could imagine. I was wondering if Hopper gained a little weight going into like season three or something. Oh, so, he definitely did. You know, and then, you know, to make it easier to kind of get it off. I don't know. I mean, I don't oh, know. Oh, he, I was actually, because I love Jim Hopper, I was actually looking at photos of him from season one, season two, season three, up until now. And season four, he's by far his heaviest. Season or three. no, I'm sorry, season three is it was his heaviest because that's when he was bulking up for black widow all right yeah so he is like the epitome of like dad bod right in season three and then season four it was in an interview i think it was with gq and he was saying that it was it's just so bad on his body like it was so bad to lose that much weight that fast and then he also had to he's gained a lot of it back because he's doing some like Santa horror movie coming up. Okay. He's playing jolly old St. Nick. Okay. So yeah, I don't think he's ever going to do that again. No, I I can't imagine that'd be too healthy. So, Uh, so we get the call with Stinson. She says that the doc Owens is indisposed. What do you take that to mean? I don't know. I, I, I don't think he's dead. Uh, I don't think, I think she would. Well, I don't know yeah, if she I doesn't mean, spoiler, know. Spoiler alert, we don't see him in the second half. Of yeah, well, so, yeah. 
So the last time we saw him, he was handcuffed to the wall and Sullivan was outside staring off into the distance. So, I mean, you got to think that somehow there was some kind of rescue effort or something, or maybe he's still handcuffed down there. I mean, it's only been a day, so you don't really, you know, not even a day, really. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just been a couple hours. So I, I thought it was weird, but then again, maybe she was wondering, like she was afraid somebody was listening. Oh yeah. That could be she, too. Obviously she was, she would know that the, you know, the KGB wouldn't be listening. So I love the interaction between Hopper and Enzo when he told him to stay behind and talk to Yuri and all Enzo said was on it. That's <laughs> just great. I, I, it's just kind of neat that, you know, they got a really nice little buddy, buddy, you know, friendship and Hopper can just kind of tell him what to do. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm on it. I got it. So, yeah. So, oh, really creepy moment for me when Hopper was going down into the tunnel and he looks off in the distance and he sees and hears the gunfire in the distance. That was just really struck me as really spooky for some reason, you know, just, you know, having it be that far off in the distance and knowing that's kind of what you're headed to. It just, it just kind of, it wasn't really a stranger thing. I didn't really consider it for, you know, a stranger thing for the episode, but it just, it was just really spooky seeing the kind of the gunshots in the distance. It was crazy. Yeah, I agree. So they get back into the prison and it kind of struck me on like probably third watch or something, how much like the lab it was when they went in and when Bob was there and, you know, they had the whole thing in the lab and the demo dogs had gotten in and eaten everything. I mean, it's obviously intentional. It never really kind of, kind of rang with me, but then all of a sudden I'm like, this is very similar to oh yeah i still i still it keeps me up at night like what are what are they planning on doing with all this stuff what the russians yeah like i do not understand yeah i i just think it's kind of a weaponizing thing maybe i don't know yeah it's kind of it's never really explained and you would think that somewhere in there they would have said you know you know when the russians were talking to each other you know it's our greatest weapon we can't you know shoot it you know whatever so yeah it is kind of weird i mean we we can all make assumptions on what they were doing but yeah well it's not like you can train a demogorgon true i don't know those sneaky russians they're up to something how about the makeup on the general with his face all mangled with the was was that a it didn't bother me oh okay too much no it really didn't i'm <laughs> i it's weird the stuff that bothers me like eyes or fingernails or toenails that'll make me but yeah. <laughs> But anything else, I'm usually okay. Or like breaking bones, yeah, yeah. like snapping their bones, like what yeah. Vecna does. That makes me kind of sick. So then we get the great, uh, well, the second Jopper kiss of the episode. This one though was ad libbed, which was which was kind of neat. And I went back and I watched it just to kind of see Winona. Yeah, if you could tell Winona's reaction to it, and she kind of went right with it. So well, they were leaning in. It seemed like she leaned into it. Well, that's what Holly's point was. I mean. Yeah. Why would they not have kissed there? I mean, like, yes. I also wondered. I mean, he's going off to be bait. And if it was improvised by one or the other, then you have to assume that the other one probably didn't know that so that's the you know definition of improvising. Right. But she leans into it. Yeah. And so, so I kind of wondered if 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 they were, you know, maybe exaggerating a little bit on what was like, there was all of the best things in episode nine were improvised. Right. Well, the the other thing is, I mean, it may not have been in the script, but Winona and David could have very easily said in rehearsal or in the trailer, whatever. It's like, we should kiss there. Shouldn't we? Like, yeah. 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 Does that still count as improvising? Yeah. It does not. Well, they're just saying it wasn't in the script because the tweet came from the stranger things writers room and said it wasn't in the script or it was unscripted or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so that pretty much does it for Russia. We're left with Joyce looking at the cattle prods and all hell getting ready to break loose, but it hasn't quite yet. So 
back up and we'll start in Hawkins where Nancy's running through the phases one through four I didn't know if you were going to maybe ask me like what the four phases were I could have I, I feel like I really slacked well the first one was just kind of the weirdest phase because I'm like what was phase one and it was kind of you know just waiting for people to get there you know everything else had an action you know Vecna takes Max they distract the demo bats you know yeah like they phase kill one Vecna. so phase one is just like get in your position get in position yeah so I got a kick out of Steve when he flipped through the first time and stood there and Robin and Nancy were like, should we applaud? Yeah. <laughs> it's good. And then I really liked the, the kind of the montage of them, all the weapons coming through and then the, the people coming through like Dustin and, yeah. and Eddie, um, how they kind of shot it upside down. And mm-hmm. it was kind of a quick it's hit. It's just I like thought, their face. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. And then as they're splitting up Eddie's line, you know, when they're talking about, we're not heroes. And then, you know, the, as they're leaving, is like make him pay, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. yeah. So then we get into the Creel house and I got faked out a couple of times here. I remember watching it the first time when they're kind of starting on the top floor with Max and then you kind of go down through the floor and you kind of expect it to be kind of going into the upside down. Mm-hmm. Maybe Vecna's there, but no, it's just Lucas. And then they go down one more floor and then it's Erica. So it kind of got freaked me out there not freaked me out, but kind of psyched me out. I thought they were going a different route. And then later on when Lucas is talking to Max and he's been Vecnified. And so he's on one side of her and the camera pans behind Max and you fully expect the reveal on the other side is for where Lucas was standing for Vecna to be standing, but Mm -hmm. it's still, it's still just Lucas. So they kind of faked me out a couple of times, which was, was that, did he have his contacts in yet? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. That's what everyone was afraid. Lucas was, going to get vecna in the final episode or in volume two because he there was a clip of caleb showing gayton something he did on set and then gayton said did you have to wear contacts for that so everyone thought right oh like yeah. he's gonna get vecna yeah exactly i thought it was really neat the cinematography with the blue light i thought that was a really good idea and i just wonder when they were writing the script if it was originally what? like flashlights or something and then they're like well let's do let's do let's do bug zappers and make it why did the- they do that was it because they were why they on? why in the show they used bug zappers? yeah like yeah like what was there a reason that they did that instead of their usual flashlights uh i mean they didn't say anything but i mean just for cinematographic purposes, you know, to yeah. kind of look cool. Yeah. But I don't know if it's maybe because it was uh, not as direct a light, you know, if they were trying, I mean, but they were trying to find Beckness. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not really sure, but it, it sure looked cool. Yeah, it did. So then we get obnoxious dog walking guy who was the same guy we mentioned in the, the guy. town hall. Yeah. Yep. Uh, from the town hall who got up and walked out and said, look, you know, what are we waiting for? So he calls Jason, who's out doing target practice on the but football dummies. Jason. Why are you getting a teenager involved? Well, I think because Jason was the one that kind of riled up the crowd at the meeting. So he was kind of the unofficial leader of the gang, I guess. Mm -hmm. And maybe they ran into each other at the war zone and Jason showed him his gun and it was bigger than his gun. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe everyone was at the war zone. Right. So then Eddie grabs his guitar and they get ready for the most metal concert in the world. But not before Steve and Nancy have their little moment in the woods where he is talking about how, you know, the RV dream Mm -hmm. was all true. But I tell you, man, I love them together. And she was, she was, she was this close, man, until Robin came up and blew it. I know. And I don't know. What does she see in Jonathan? 
Well, especially, really especially lately, because it's been months since they've seen each other. And last thing she knew, they were going to college together and that whole mess. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Do you notice that Lucas is a lefty? I didn't realize that. No, I didn't pay yeah. attention. What do you mean? When he was well, drawing? Oh, when he, when he was, when he was writing the, yeah. So he's a fellow I lefty. Love, I love a lefty. Oh, you're so sweet. I'm a lefty. We are, we are partners in leftiness. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And then they get the little, the movie date, which I thought was really cute. Oh my gosh. But I knew. Yeah. I knew. Sorry. Yeah. If that's like. A, Any, anytime you make a date on a Friday in this show, you're, you're in for it's trouble. It's not happening. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, so the Cali boys and L are great, and Argyle with his. And I went back and watched this one again too because he immediately comes to the realization that he has six hundred pounds of salt in a freezer that she can fit in. I mean, it's not like he even sits there and scratches his chin. No. And goes, hmm. Let's see. Let's think about this. Well, we could. Yeah. He's like, where do you need six hundred pounds of salt, my dudes? <laughs> it was just great. Yeah. And the montage, which I thought was great when, so it was kind of Eddie and Dustin boarding up the house at the same time they're making pizzas and clearing out the um, freezer, which I thought was really cool. So they're using drills. They didn't look cordless. And then of course we'll get the guitar concert later. So is there electricity in the upside down or not? That's one of their raging debates on Twitter these days. There's definitely not. So how does he play an electric guitar and how are they drilling? Oh my gosh. Right? Right? What have you done? I know. I'm just throwing holes in everything. How did he do that? I mean, they had had an amp and everything. Yeah. Maybe they ran extension cords from From the right side up. Yes. To the upside down. That's what we're going to go with. We'll go with that. That sounds good. So they make the uh, pizza box shades. I thought you were going to ask me the phone number of the Nevada. Uh, Stop pointing board. out how many things I didn't ask you this week. I really, I was really like, what is she going to ask me? It's so, been a day. Okay. I, no, I mean, I, cause I watch it once and I take notes and then I watch it again and kind of finish up with, you know, my superlatives and stuff like that. And then I watch a third time strictly to look at background stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What's the name of the Lego guy that was stuck up Will's nose? Larry. Larry. Yeah. Okay, so then everything kind of melds together at once, and we're kind of flipping back and forth between everything. So Elle gets into the void. She meets up with Max. Lucas, as I mentioned, turns into Vecna, and I saw that right off the bat. Did you kind of catch that? Were you were you Lucas's Vecna as soon as he started? Like he was like kind of staring into the distance. Yes. Yeah. And yes. I, thought, I was yeah. I was slightly annoyed with Max for it not was... realizing. That Lucas would never say that stuff. No, I know. It's just like, even before that, when she looked at him and he's just talking and he's kind of staring straight ahead. Yeah, you knew. Yeah, exactly. They go into the uh, the 1970 skate park. L goes into the vision. And Mm -hmm. so this time it's not Sadie's little sister playing young Max as she did in season three. So now this time it's uh, Bella. She's so cute. She's adorable. She's going into first grade. And so I just out of curiosity, I was wondering if anybody knew why, you know, JC wasn't cast, yeah. but she's like 11 now, like age. 11. Oh. So she would have been too old and probably has, you know, grown and probably is a little taller now, obviously too. So that wouldn't, that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> so, so then we get <sighs> master of puppets, Chrissy, this is for you. I mean, I might have teared up when he said that. Oh, so good. Then Andy tackles Erica like she's like, what is that? Right. I mean, 
that is terrible. Like he's, he's a grown man practically. Oh, he is. Yeah. I mean, there are year old girl. Yeah. Like what, what did they think she was going to do? Yeah. I, good Lord. I mean, let her keep running. I mean, she's not, you know. So we know that that playground is not across the street from the Creel house. In real, in real life. Yes. Correct. Yeah. 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 So I was curious how they patched all that together because when she's running it all flows like she's going directly yeah because i mean you can kind of see it in the background and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff so it's a lot of i thought i saw a picture somewhere it's all they green screen it and digitize it in later so if she's across the street at the playground they have the green screen between her and you know the great beyond whatever's there on the other side of the playground and kind of digitize it in and then backwards you know if you're at the creel house looking across the street they put a green screen in and you can kind of and you put in the um you know digitally put in the visual effects of the playground so right yeah then we get into the snowball the balloons pop with blood which was just delightful it was very it reminded me of it yeah it and then and a lot of of people saying carrie too yeah well there there's balloons with blood and carrie they said i don't remember that i haven't seen carrie in 20 years oh yeah same i've seen it once too i've seen the remakes but then we get jason coming up into the attic and ruining everything you know that show adam ruins everything yeah (laughs) it's like jason ruins everything he really did yeah but you know, I'm, I read somewhere that Mason Die is like getting death threats. People, I, people, I saw that too. Yeah, I, I heard about it. Insane. Something. Yeah, they people really are. Insane. I told you about the Grace Van Dien stuff. Like people yeah. are, people are, are trying. Like they're I, it boggles my mind. They're yeah. like bullying her because she loved being in the show so much. Did you see the thing? There was a thing on Twitter earlier this week where a, I don't know who it was. It was on TikTok. Some woman that does you know, a young woman that does kind of like makeup tutorials and stuff was criticizing Nancy's face. And she, needs Oh to, yes. She like, needs oh, to she should get the Botox highlight her cheeks and she needs to Botox her jaw. And all I'm like, what like, are you what? doing? What? Yeah. Where do you get off? Lady? Oh, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, Robin, Steve and Nancy get caught by the tentacles. Eddie goes back. He buys a little bit more time. He cuts Dustin off. So he can't get back through. Then Let's Vecna comes in. We we kind of know all what what happens. I did love the um, when L is force pushing Vecna, and then turns him around and he goes you and she goes hi and pushes him. Oh yeah, it was so yeah. good. Yeah, I love how she's just like, you will not touch her again. Yeah, yeah. she's just laying down the law. This yeah. will not happen again. Yeah. And telling Max she piggybacked through a pizza dough freezer, like she's just saying, you know, I just walked around the corner. You're right. I know. <laughs> I love it so much because Max is like, "Are you real?" Yeah, I piggybacked here from a pizza dough freezer. So I was convinced the first time I watched it, and I'm still convinced every time I watch it that when Vecna throws all those wood shards from the bleachers, yeah. and L tosses them away, that one of them's going to go through Max. I was just, oh. I was convinced because the last thing we saw was Max back there. And then all of a sudden, like all these wooden shards, but fortunately Max gets spared by the wooden shard. So that's good. Yeah, that would have been a bitch. Bats are swirling. Eddie is fighting them. Vecna lifts, throws L into the red world. And that's where we are going to end for this week. And we will pick things up next week right there. <sighs> Not looking forward to it. Anything else on the episode? And we'll just get right into our stuff. No, I'm ready to stuff. do some segments all right where do you want to start 
Do you have a Colin moment this I week? I do, because I've saved it. And that is the glorious and awesome Walkman oh, produced yeah. by Sony in 1979 and was still being made until 2010. They had graduated into kind of MP3 players, but it was still kind of the Walkman brand. So, Oh, it's uh, not now? They don't have one? They don't make Walkmans anymore. Walkman. Well, I, I kind of call, call them. I was trying to think. I think I called them Walkman. Yeah, Walkman. Yeah. So a lot of people say Walkman, but no, walk, walkman. Well, that's yeah. those people are wrong. So yeah, oh man, literally attached to my hip through you know all of the eighties. I mean, every time I was mowing a lawn, riding a bike, going anywhere, doing anything, I lived for my Walkman. And then it got even better in nineteen eighty four when Sony introduced the Walkman Sport which was the yellow one that was splash resistant and had the little the little thing on the side that kind where, of clamped it down. Where, where were you going that you needed to worry about your Walkman getting wet? Nowhere, but it was wicked cool. <laughs> like who's walking around at like a pool or a water it's not even park? That. You, couldn't, you couldn't like jump in the water with it. It's just if, you know, if Joey's in the water going, hey, Colin, splash, then you'd be safe. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's not, you, you could, you could kind of sweat near it and that would be fine. But yeah. It was, it was not like watertight, especially if you're plugging headphones into it, because that, you know, opens up the, they had like a, the little rubber nozzle that would go in the earphone hole if you didn't have headphones plugged in. But as soon as you plugged them in, you had to take the little plug out. So now it's, you know, water could get into it. But. And, you know, everyone went wild when we went from the Walkman cassette tape to, I don't know if they, the Discman. They went the from Discman, Walkman yeah. to the Discman. Yeah. And that, that thing sucked. You it really did. It, you couldn't touch it. Yeah, I had one in my car and I would put it on yep. on my dashboard. Anytime and you hit a bump. Every time you hit a bump. Yep. It was awful. Not even great. even the ones that had like, you know, stabilization or whatever. No. Yeah. Didn't no. do anything. So uh, anybody who's curious, Max's model was the uh, Walkman WM8 which was created in 1984. It is, you can buy them on eBay now for anywhere from $1,000 to $2,000, strictly because of Stranger Things, because every other Walkman is available. Serious? Yeah, every other Walkman's like 150 bucks, but like the one that Max was using is like 1,500 bucks. Evie said she wanted one. And I was like, why? Yeah. She was right. like, because it looks cool. And I was right. like, oh, okay. What are you going to play on it? Like, do you own any cassette tapes? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I might have one here somewhere. I'm not sure. I used to have thousands, but yeah, not anymore. So, so that was my Colin moment. All right. I liked it. Couple locations. Only one I'm going to quiz you on this week. So let's play a little. Where in the world is. They mention Andy and Jason when they're talking the murder house over on Moorhead. So Moorhead, real street, not a real street. And if it is a street in Durham, where is it? Well, it's a street in Durham. (laughs) It is a street in Durham. Yes. And there's obviously, there's also a Moorhead, North Carolina, like an actual town. But Well, yeah, we have a Moorhead, Kentucky. Yeah. So I won't quiz you on these, but I always love looking up the locations and stuff. So the original gas, the gas station at the beginning where the Cali boys and L are is Sal and Inez's uh, service station, which is in Moriarty, New Mexico, which is a little bit east of Albuquerque. And so I don't know if you noticed, but in the back, it had the WB Whiting Brothers sign. So that was a hugely popular gas station chain, predominantly kind of Midwest, Southwest, hundreds of locations, a lot of them on Route 66. And this actual location is the only 
working location that still has a Whiting Brothers sign. It's not a Whiting Brothers store, but they're the only open location that has a Whiting Brothers sign. There's several that are, you know, on the sides of Route 66 that are all shut down and you can see the sign still there, but this is an actual working one with the Whiting Brothers sign. So I thought that was kind of neat. So then the Surfer Boy Pizza joint in Nevada is actually Alberto's Mexican food in Las Lunas, which is the same town where the police station was, where Elle was arrested and, you know, where she's driving off in the van and Mike looks at her as, as they're driving away. Mm -hmm. This had to have been a KFC in a former life, right? I mean, just looking at the building, it was. Oh, obvious. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like the like all the repurposed. You know, there's a there's a website I saw like of repurposed <laughs> pizza huts like. Yeah. <laughs> Very clearly a repurposed KFC, which I thought was funny. And then the last one I was curious about was the skate park. Yeah. The culvert. And that's actually um, Snow Park in Albuquerque. It goes right. There's a, the culvert. It's kind of like Los Angeles. The culvert yes. goes right through the middle of the town. And the culvert isn't actually part of the park. The park actually, it's very mm -hmm. small. It just has a couple tennis courts and, a, and like a, you know, like a, like an outbuilding where you can have like meetings or, you know, gatherings or whatever. Uh, but it was filmed right there uh, in Albuquerque. So those are your locations. Only two tire peel outs that I saw. Obviously, Argyle pulling his van into the surfer boys, screeching across the road, screeching to a stop. All kinds of interesting noises with Argyle in his van, as as usual. And then obviously the next one is, and the only other one, was Jason and Andy pulling up and almost running over Erica and the little playground area. So oh, yeah. those are your tire peel outs. Let's talk movies. You should be at the mall or like watching a movie or something. Uh, yes, I do have some things for movies this week. One of them I already mentioned with the balloons and Carrie. Yep. And it, which reminded me, you know, it was very similar to the new it, the one that just came out in 2017. Yep with all of that. And, and then you, obviously the Star Wars. Yeah, you mentioned that. Actually, um, I found a link on YouTube and I'll post it. There's a whole montage of every time in the entire Star Wars universe that that is used. And that includes Clone Wars, all the animated really? series. Really? I mean, everything from episode one through nine and back again. It's hilarious. Just as it, and it's kind of funny because it goes, I got a bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. Uh, and then at one point, it's like, I got a good feeling about this. Like one random <laughs> Murray mentions the uh, Dirty Dozen when, yes. they're, when they're stocking up. And then Jason and Ryan uh, both wrote in a movie reference. Jason said Eddie and Dustin spearing the demo bats uh, really gave him a Lord of the Rings vibes with uh, Mary and Pippin when they were. Ah. And then Ryan said when the teens, uh, Steve, Nancy, Robin, enter the house and try to avoid stepping on the tentacles, it reminded him of the snake pit and Raiders. And it actually, it's kind of funny because it actually reminded me of the scene in Last Crusade at the end when Indy is kind of jumping across the stones. Oh, yeah, for the Holy Grail. Stones that spell Jehovah. That, so. That's the one, right? Yeah, Holy Grail. <laughs> yep. So that's all I had for movie references. Same. How about some little things? I had a couple. Wait, did, did you see something? Yeah. What, what, did, what did you see? I love that when Robin is getting pulled by the vines that her first reaction is to yell for Steve, like yeah. she, Steve, like it's just her best friend. She loves him so much. And I love their friendship. I love it. And my other thing is when <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it cause they've had a million gifts of it. But when RL says my super powered friend here, and then it goes to 11 and she just has this little yeah. smirk on I her face. That. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's cute. Yeah, those yeah. are my two little things. I mean, there's more, but 
I want to mention just not as a little thing, but as a history lesson, when Enzo was talking to Yuri and talking about Demansky and how he was a hero in Demansky. So that was the USSR China border war that took place in March of 1969. So that was, that's kind of what he was talking about there. I got a kick out of the fact that Andres Figueroa, who is the server at the surfer boy that they go into yeah. is listed in the credits as Argyle 2.0. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was cute. And then, of course, it wouldn't be a Stranger Things episode without somebody flipping something. And sure enough, Steve is going up the stairs and he flips oh, his yeah. flashlight. Yep. And then Jason wrote in one talking about Andy and what a ass he was to tackle Erica and said, Andy hopefully gets eaten by a demo dog at some point. <sighs> Erica kicking him in the nads, though, and then hitting him with a flashlight was priceless. So that was Jason. I wonder if Andy dies in the is one of the casualties of hawkins overall that would be good i wouldn't be i wouldn't be mad about it that wouldn't be bad at all maybe maybe some big huge giant demogorgon tackles him yeah yeah (laughs) pulls his arm behind his back yeah all right let's talk music obviously we've talked about every breath you take and running up that hill and dream a little dream already so we won't go into those do want to mention i think we talked about it back was in episode six of season two the scene where steve and the boys are boarding up the bus in the junkyard getting ready for the demo dogs Mm -hmm. the score music that's playing in the background from dixon and stein is called soldiers and it's the same music they use here when the gang is splitting up and getting ready to go start the phases oh I just, I love that. I, I, just the, just the, I don't know what that sound is, like kind of the sound effect, the wee sound effect in it. It's just, it's just. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So then we had a couple songs that fall very generously into the, where on earth, Nora Felder, did you find these songs? They're the most obscure songs I've probably ever come across in my life. The first one is playing in the background of the gas station with Elle and the Cali boys sitting there deciding to piggyback. It is called Fine Time and it is by Free Beer. And it's a fine time for you. Let me know. Came out in 1976 on the album called Highway Robbery. The band was only around from 1975 to 1978, never did anything, never charted, basically, were never even heard of. So, how are we finding these songs? I think they're like little bands, like little local bands, maybe. The next one is BG's One Eye by the Nuch. I don't even know how to pronounce it. N U C H E Z apostrophe S. Nuchases. This song is the one that's playing in the Surfer Boy when they're when they first get in and, and Argyle's talking to the dude. Came out in October of 1966. This group, the Nuchases, only lasted for a year. So who has ever heard of these people before? And then the last song is the song that's playing when Jonathan and Will are stirring the freezer up. Mm -hmm. And it's called 40 Miles Bad Road by the Lively Ones. This came out in June of 1963. And again, this band was only around from 1962 to 1965. So, don't know. I don't know either. Next song is Fields of Coral by Vangelis. Mm -hmm. 
This song we've actually heard before in season one, episode seven, when Elle is getting into the makeshift bathtub in the bathtub episode when they're in the gym and they make the little kiddie pool bathtub. Mm-hmm. So they brought it back here and it's when Elle is getting into the bathtub here. So they kind of brought back the same music for that too, which was kind of neat. So, and that's it for music because there weren't any really other songs in this episode were there. Oh yeah, there was Master of Puppets by Metallica. Came out in July of 1986 as a single. The album actually came out on March 3rd of 1986, giving Eddie Munson a whopping three weeks to learn this song. He didn't so, play it. He only played the intro. Well, still. Everybody, I mean, it's just kind of funny how Twitter's like, if Eddie really played this and the upside down is 1983, he's the first person in history to ever play this song. It's just, <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> It's also kind of neat. It is currently at number 35 on the charts, 36 years after it was released and never charted. I know. So that's kind of neat. I had only really heard, I was not a huge Metallica fan until the Black Album. So call me a, you know, whatever you want to call me a Metallica completely. But I remember it was the song in old school when they're out in the van picking up the recruits. That's the song that's playing. Yeah. So several links I'll post to this one. One is Joe practicing, uh, which I'm sure most of you have already seen on Twitter. And then also Metallica playing along with Joe, all wearing the Hellfire Club shirts. And also I found a neat video with the guy who stood in for Joe and was kind of the the close-up hands guy. Mm -hmm. His name is Aiden. So I'll post a link to him too. So that does it for me. Oh, I should, I do want to mention if you guys haven't seen the Netflix Geeked Volume 2 revealed where they kind of did all, all of the, you know, after we've seen Volume 2, the Duffers were talking how it was Curtis Gwynn, the writer who actually came up with the idea of Eddie playing on the trailer. He was a Metallica head when he was a kid and they were trying to figure out something to do that Dustin and Eddie could, you know, distract the demo bats by doing. And Curtis is like, what if you stood on top of the roof and played Metallica? And they're like, yeah, let's but do that. Curtis didn't think, but there's no electricity in the upside down. Yes. We're just going to move right on from that. <laughs> Okay, a couple emails and tweets to get to before we hit our superlatives, but I do want to mention uh, we've gotten actually quite a few emails from people with their suggestions for what we do in the black hole between seasons four and five. So if you haven't written in yet, we'd still love to hear from you. And thank you to everybody who's written in with suggestions. A lot of them are kind of along the lines of what we're thinking to do anyway. So, uh, but there are some really good ideas in there too. So did we, did we get any suggestions from Harriet this week? We got an email from Harriet. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry, everyone else that listens, but I want to do whatever Harriet asks. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm partial that the fact that we have a 12 year old that loves our show. So. Well, nine-year-old Evie is back this week too. Oh, well now I've got a pick. Oh. So yes, keep writing, keep writing in those um, emails. We really appreciate them. So we had a tweet harm wrote in. Said, listening to Scoops Ahoy Pod, and the best line ever is from my recap last week saying, Steve tells Nancy about his dream of having six kids, which, you know, he already does. <laughs> Got an email from Anna Marie in the UK. Said, I'm a new subscriber all the way from the UK. She was asking about the quiz book that you used back in season one to quiz me for my homework. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Notes from the Upside Down by Guy Adams. So Anna Marie, if you can find that, I think it's 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 still out there and, and yeah. readily available, but it only covers season one. So just be aware of that. 
So then she goes on and says, on a side note, I went to go see Madhouse starring David Harbour at the West End in London recently. Opposite the stage door is a lovely little stationery shop I was in. The sales assistant mentioned that David comes in every day and literally two minutes later in he walks. (gasps) Right? I would die. As you can imagine, she says, my heart was beating very fast, but I acted like a cool cat. He stayed for a few minutes. No one bothered him. And he went off to the stage door to say I was excited. Telling my daughter I saw him was an understatement. And then she goes on to say his performance in Madhouse was very good and quite a challenge on his voice as he did a lot of shouting and uh, talking loudly. His character is not very dissimilar from Hopper. Very anxious, angry, and very wound up. And he did actually a YouTube video, and I'll post a link to this too, with Rob Bryden, where he did mention a lot of stuff about Stranger Things, but also talked about how his voice is getting a real workout uh, doing all this shouting. So thank you, Anna Marie, for writing in. Have you seen, there is, it's very precious. It's a TikTok of a little boy. I think he's eight and he went to see madhouse so he could see david harbour and oh no i haven't seen it he's waiting outside and he like has he had written hopper across his forehead (laughs) and he like and david was so sweet to him he took his time with him he talked to him it was just really sweet i love seeing it when they i love seeing the actors when they interact with kids and that's great you know they take their time yeah okay superlatives so best line i had argyle at the surfer boy pizza telling the dude their plan you see this weird girl behind me she needs a tub with a bunch of salt so we can enhance her psychic powers so she can save the world from the super bad dude but to make this salty tub we require your kitchen i had 11 telling max I piggybacked from a pizza dough freezer. Also a good one. Harriet emailed in, said, come in, Colin and Whitney. That was how she started her email. I love it. Oh, I love it. She agreed with me on the Argyle bit and then said, side note, do they just exclusively hire high guys at Surfer Boy Pizza? Harriet, what do you know about being high? Right. She also mentioned the four easy steps to kill Vecna, which uh, Nancy went through at the beginning of the episode. And then she also mentioned, uh, which she picked as her official best line, Argyle at the gas station and talking to Elle about the plan. Mind fight. Righteous. Wait, so you actually think this can work? A bathtub would help. Yeah. Gotta be clean to enter the mind. Zarley wrote in, also from Australia, and wrote in uh, her line was the whole uh, pineapple pizza debate. Surf shut, Romeo. Ugh. Oh, uh, too much flavor awesomeness can't overpower your battery, can it? Dude, this is pineapple. Try before you deny. Club. Mm-hmm. It's good? What do you mm-hmm. mean it's good? Really good. What? That's insane. That's blasphemous. Putting fruit on pizza? It? No, I didn't try it. Try no, I obviously deny. didn't try it. Stop. I'm not. I'm not enough. Which is gross, by the way. Oren wrote in, he said the same thing, the pineapple pizza. Karen, mother of Evie, said Elle's line to Max, which was yours, about how she got there. Evie wrote in, age nine. Evie. Eddie, about to launch the most metal concert ever. Ugh. Chrissy, this is from you. 
Jason's best line was Joyce and Hopper talking about Enzo's and what's good on the menu. I'm getting two orders of breadsticks. Two. Those things knock your socks off. Enzo puts some spice on them. I don't know what it is, but it's good. And you dip it in olive oil? Forget about it. And uh, I'm wavering on the main course between the veal and the lasagna, but I think I gotta go with lasagna, right? So you've been dreaming about breadsticks and lasagna. And Ryan's best line was Steve um, had his heart-to-heart with Nancy in the woods. It's all true. Every last word. But I left one part out. It's the most important part. You're there. You've always been there. All were excellent choices. Now, Harriet went on to write, I also wanted to create a category called Moment That Whitney Would Scream With Glee Most In. Yes, Harriet! What is it? (laughs) So she wrote the Stancy exchange in the upside down. Oh, I did. Or, you know, in all caps, Jopper exclamation point. I was screaming when that happened and I was like, Duffers, thanks. I know we hate you later in the episode, but still, thanks for Jopper. Man, I'm telling you, every other shipper out there was just like losing their minds. And then Jopper shippers were just over here you know sipping our tea at the end because we were the only ones that really got what we wanted and then she signs her email stay cool over and out over and out harriet okay most spirited i went with dustin's outfit that was my other movie thing but we already talked about it yeah Yeah. yeah, i mentioned it last week but yeah but yes his outfit where he had the the headband tied around his head sweatshirt swayze yeah I went with the fact that when Jonathan was on the phone with the travel agent, he mentioned TWA, Pan Am, and Eastern, all three of which were huge airlines in the 80s and all three of which do not exist anymore. So I knew Pan Am didn't. TWA was an airline? TWA was an airline. TWA was the one way back when we talked about the hijacking. Remember I talked about the hijacking of TWA? Oh. Yeah. So TWA, Pan Am, and Eastern. Now he could have said American, United, and Delta, all three of which were also airlines in the 80s and are also still around, but- I just thought it was great that they mentioned the three that are no longer that around were, that, that were yeah. in the 80s. So Oren mentioned, we've talked about it before, the Eddie, Steve, the Dio jacket that Eddie left yep. Steve to wear. That that was what I thought. I thought he was going to play a Dio song, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, I remember you saying that, actually. Yeah, that would have that would have made sense, certainly. Evie's was Master of Puppets. She says she had no clue who Metallica even was until Master of Puppets started playing and she looked it up. Evie, do you like them now? Right. I need to know. Yeah. I love the Black Album. I just, Unforgiven and Nothing Else Matters. And I just love it. I was never into Metallica. I wasn't either. It was just like that one, like two year stretch. I don't even think I was into it then, but yeah. I appreciated it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Zarley also said the same thing. Karen mentioned the uh, Hulk Hogan shirt. Jason also mentioned the Hulk Hogan shirt. And then Ryan said the red phone reminded him of the bat phone. So he kind of, he liked that as most spirited. So. Okay, Stranger Thing, I already talked about, and that was with Lucas turning into Vecna. Just really freaked me out at the moment. And even though I knew it was Vecna, I'm like, oh, it's freaky. So that was mine. Harriet agreed with me. (laughs) Thank you, Harriet. Oren mentioned the glowing lantern, saying it was kind of a Lovecraftian kind of horror that I love so much, knowing that something evil is standing where you are, only not. 
Evie, we're going to save until next week because she mentioned something in the second half of the episode. Karen's was the captioning throughout the episode. She mentioned especially demo dog trills, flesh tearing, and creatures chittering. Chittering. Chittering, yep. Zarly, for her Stranger Thing, mentioned L in the tank and the whole you know dissolving snowball and all that stuff jason mm-hmm. also said when the snowball starts to get vectified totally reminded me of something freddie would do in nightmare on elm street which yep. i loved as a kid and teen and loved the nods to them this season and i'm sure whitney loved the sounds that the balloons made when they blew up and blood came out i didn't watch with the captions on but i just imagined what i said for that and i actually looked and they don't caption it they don't the first know, one it just gross. says jolting explosion but there's nothing like balloon squelching blood wetly you know i mean they had to they they were probably you know exhausted from like coming up with different ways to say squelch right as it related to vecna (laughs) chittering and wetly yeah and ryan said the same thing with the whole snowball bit yeah mine was actually jason's eyes at the end did you look at his eyes they were kind of creepy yeah like what's going on there when he had the gun on lucas and everything his eyes are so dark around it's like he hasn't slept in weeks yeah i think it's i think it's kind of the blue light effect because i noticed too with max her freckles really popped out of her face because of the blue light on her you know so yeah but it is just he looks like he's just has the darkest circle he just looks like a psychopath yeah he really does so Okay, MVP Zarly went with Sadie, but gave honorable mention to Jonathan. I agree, and I actually gave it to Charlie Heaton just for his little scene, which could have been very corny. Um, And we've talked last week about the scene with Will and Mike and how corny it kind of turned out being in our minds. But I think Mm -hmm. Charlie really did a good job with this scene, and it could have been, you know just a really cheesy kind of corny bit, but I think he handled it really well. So I gave him MVP. Anybody could be MVP. Sadie, you know, Jamie, Joe Quinn. I mean, anybody. I went with Eddie. Yeah. Evie went with Eddie. Jason went with Eddie. Ryan went with Eddie and also uh, Sadie as actor. Karen's we're going to save till next week because she had a good one, but we will, we will hold off. And then Oren said Erica uh, for being brave enough to rise to the same level as all the other kids, even though she's years younger. So that's a good one. Yeah, I like that one too. And that does that. All right. That does it for this episode. Next week, we'll be back with the second half of the piggyback. And we want to know, still want to know whether or not you guys want us to cover certain things in the deep, dark void. Email us, scoopsawaypod. You can let us know. No idea is too stupid. We want to hear what you guys want to hear us talk about. As always, you can like and subscribe on iTunes. And if you leave us a review, we would be very, very happy. It helps us get in front of other potential listeners like yourself who enjoy Stranger Things. You can always follow us on social media at Scoops Ahoy Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And that is where Colin usually posts all of our articles that we link to or any like fun stuff that we talk about in each episode. So as always, I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.